everybody, to the final hour of the Mark Childress Show. If you're listening in your car, on the app, in an internet browser, wander on over to Facebook, the Roar's Facebook page. We simulcast this show live from the Prong Studios in Greenville, South Carolina, so you can participate on the video side. Facebook comments, a real easy way to get my attention during the show as well. Spring football practice underway. Clemson softball with a huge 4-1 to win over a ranked Georgia Bulldog team today. And I've been looking forward to this. Mr. Terrence Oglesby is going to join us to talk some Clemson basketball. And uh, he's got a great podcast out right now. You can find his thoughts over on TigerNet as well. Terrence, man, it is an honor to have you here. Thanks for joining. Man, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, so Terrence, uh, trying to pick apart uh, the Tigers uh, against Georgia Tech last night. So I'm going to tell you what I saw, and then you're the really smart guy, and you're going to tell me where, where I'm wrong, probably. But uh, Clemson did, I feel like, get some open shots in the second half. They just weren't falling for them, number one. And Clemson seemed a little bit rattled by uh, the, the really uh, good interior defense and size of Georgia Tech. Is that kind of what you were seeing that led to the loss last night, or was there something else I'm missing? Well, I saw they, Georgia Tech started out in zone, and Clemson started to pick that apart a little bit because Tevin Mack and Amir Smith are such good passers out of that. When uh, Georgia Tech went back man, uh, our guys basically, they were getting open shots, but I guess the law average is kind of caught up with them, 2 of 20 for 3, and that's after shooting 70% at Boston College. So you kind of wondered if they were going to be able to get through the shooting spot, but, uh, you know, it, after winning three in a row, uh, you wonder how long you can kind of keep that energy uh, as far as shooting the ball. And uh, they got open shots, and their feet were fed. They just had a hard time knocking them down last night. Hanging out with uh, Terrence Oglesby. You can find his write-ups on uh, the Clemson Tigers basketball team over on TigerNet. So, uh, Terrence, you were known as a uh, great shooter of the basketball, especially a three-pointer. Clemson, I believe, two of 20 last night. Uh, I was talking to Morgan Thomas in the last segment about, I guess, shooting yourself out of a bad shooting night, which is something that Clemson has struggled to do this year. Is is there a secret to it? Uh, you know, Again, this team, I feel like they're either on or they're not on. Is that just a way a particular team might run and that's kind of their style? Or is there a way you feel like that Clemson could try to find a way to work themselves out of these shooting slumps that I feel like they get in once every three or four games? Well, one of the guys that, that, that I've, I've seen, Mark, and, and I could be wrong here, but when Alex Hemingway got back and finally started to get healthy and he finally had a good game and was knocking down some shots, it's like the confidence kind of erupted. And be honest with you, Josh Pastner, Georgia Tech's head coach, did a good job last night. Every time Hemingway went in and he knew that Clemson was struggling shooting the ball a little bit, every time Hemingway went in, they almost went no touch on it just because he's kind of been that guy that can knock one or two down no matter what the rest of the team's doing, and he kind of breathes a little bit more confident. And if you look at it, I mean, that's kind of what I, I was good for because I came to a team whenever my freshman year – my freshman year, I came to a team that I think was dead last free throw shooting, dead last three point percentage. And then the year that I came, I just was able to knock a couple down, and then confidence kind of rolled. And Alex Hemingway has been able to do that for the Tigers this year. And but I'll tell you what, it's it's one thing to knock things down in your first two or three games. It's another thing to be a marked man and still be able to knock them down. And Hemingway's learning that a little bit. They put Jose Alvarado on him, and. Uh, you know, you got to be ready to shoot that thing every time you catch it, or else you might not get that many opportunities. 
and he's going to learn that. I mean, shoot, he's been injured pretty much the entire year, but uh, he's kind of been that guy that's been able to kind of pick him up and knock shots down, and Alamir Dawes has done a nice job, too, uh, kind of picking up the slack, and once you see one or two go down, uh, the, the rest tend to follow suit. Hanging out with uh, Terrence Oglesby, talking Clemson basketball. Okay, this is exactly what I wanted to ask you about uh, when we had you on. And you just compared yourself to Alex Hemingway. I was going to do that because you can see the similarities there. How did you make the transition, right? Because you came in, started hitting the three-pointers. You became a marked man and continued to find a way to get your shot off and get three-pointers. Is that as easy as running set plays uh, to try to uh, to free Hemingway up? Is it just something that he's got to learn? And uh, how did you make those adjustments when you were there well mark you've been following clemson a long time i was a lot crazier than uh, (laughs) so i think that definitely kind of helped i was willing to take him a little bit uh quicker in the shot clock and you got to keep in mind too i played for a different uh coach i mean i wouldn't have been able to get uh the same leeway i i had this conversation with with uh somebody the other day a friend of mine and if I would have played the first two years with Oliver Purnell, it would have been great. My next two years, if I would have played for Brad Brownell, it would have been great. Because he gives more leash the older guys get just because there's so much teaching involved. And we weren't nearly as complicated. But then again, we never made a Sweet 16 either. Yeah. So it's one of those things where I was a little bit, you know, I was I was pulling. I was a higher gun. I knew what I was coming in there to do. Uh, but if I remember correctly, and I averaged almost three threes a game my freshman year. So yep. it's not like there was a lack of shot attempts. So there's been games where Hemingway's played 12, 15 minutes or something like that, and he's got up maybe one or two. I was much more aggressive in my approach coming out. And some of them were good, and some of them weren't so good. So uh, I had a little bit more leash, I think. But uh, obviously I was playing for a different coach. And... To be honest with you, Alex Hemingway is going to be much better for it because he is getting really taught how to work within an offense and how to work within these sets because uh, Coach Brownell does a fantastic job developing players. And uh, it was just a different dynamic when I was running around. Hanging out with uh, Terrence Oglesby, talking Clemson basketball, among other things. And uh, Terrence has got a great uh, podcast out right now called Let It Fly. If you want to learn about uh, ACC basketball, Clemson basketball, that's got to be a must in your podcast rotations going forward. So, uh, Terrence, uh, the other thing I remember about you, uh, you said you weren't shy about shooting. You also weren't shy about the distance in which you shot from. And... That's kind of become in vogue now in the NBA and now even in college basketball. You're seeing guys pull up from 24, 26, 28 feet. That was the kind of shot where I feel like even 10 years ago, people would be pulling their hair out. Why are guys taking it? Guys like you used to take that when you were playing, but now everybody's taking them. Are you kind of feeling like, hey, if I'd have played a little bit later on, maybe uh, maybe my style would have been appreciated a little bit more? It, it may have been that way, or if I would have played now, I wouldn't have been appreciate, appreciated as much because they weren't <laughs> And yeah. plus, when you move the, the three-point line back, uh, I think, to be honest with you, I think that's one of the, the, the things that people don't talk about that much is the fact that the three-point line moved back that far. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's a long three now. I mean, that changes the game significantly, especially from a spacing perspective. That's the reason guys are getting more open shots. Now, do I think it's going to take another two years 
for guys to get that percentage back up another two, three, four percentage points back to where it was when the line was shorter. Sure, but I think overall uh, it's going to be good for the game that they moved it back. But I think you're absolutely right. Sometimes I think like, well, if I would have played today, uh, I wouldn't probably wouldn't have been yanked as quick because they would have just been kind of customary. But at the same time, that's what kind of made me unique. And that's, to be honest with you, that's, that's the reason uh, I'm able to do some of the things that I've been able to do with, with the podcast and some of that thing because people remember uh, me shooting some of those deep ones. So it works twofold. Would I have been good today? I think I'd have still been pretty good today. But uh, I'm not sure that I would have stood out quite as much. Yeah, I hear you. Again, uh, continuing to hang out with uh, with Terrence Oglesby. So, Terrence, I'll put you on the spot a little bit, right? I mean, Brad Brownell, what, is in his 10th season now and uh, has had some very big highs. You referenced one of them earlier, right, going to the Sweet 16 just two seasons ago. You could argue that might be one of the best five uh, seasons in the history of Clemson basketball. There's also been years where you feel like uh, kind of last year was one of those where Clemson's underachieved a little bit. You know, Brad did have to go through uh, the, the redoing, I guess, of Little John, played an entire season without really having a home game. I mean, it's been an interesting ride for Brad. So I'm a big supporter of his. I can definitely say, man, you know, you're really only losing, uh, you know, Mac and Curran Scott off of this team. You're, you're losing Sims next year. I mean, it's a really young team where I look to next season and the year beyond and can see what it can be. But then there's also that faction out there that are like, hey, Brownell's had more than enough time. We need somebody new. I'm not asking you whether you think we should keep Brownell or not, but where's kind of your head on where the different uh, perspectives are on Clemson basketball right now? Well, you can go ahead and ask me. I think Clemson should keep Brownell. I don't don't even think it's a question, and I'll tell you why. Since they've gotten back into Little John, the recruiting class, subtract the Zion debacle out of the whole thing. The recruiting, yeah. recla- the recruiting classes have gotten gotten significantly better. And I'm going to say this. You follow up that Sweet 16 year, and I don't think people took into account just how good Dante Grantham and Gabe Bo really were. Yes, sir. I mean, that like those guys were very, very good. And while Shelton Mitchell was a very good point guard his junior year, and I love Shelton, and I, I had this conversation with him the other day, the poor guy couldn't walk his senior year because he had some issues with his knees. He played the whole year injured. And Shelton went from basically a full facilitator to somebody he needed to rely on the score, and David Starr wasn't necessarily wild. So there were a lot of factors in there that that amounted to what it was, an NIT team, which, quite frankly, was still a good year. If they don't get a, a bad call... Uh, against NC State in the ACC tournament, you're probably playing in the tournament. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things like uh, it's, it's continued to get better, and I, I view this year as a complete success uh, for a multitude of reasons. You only lose seven Mac and Curtis Scott, both good players, but you know Tevin, as talented as he is, he's had some up. He's had he's been up and down. Curran Scott's a good player, but I'm not going to sit here and say he's averaging 15 a game. And you return pretty much everybody else. You get Nick on her back. You get a sophomore Alamir Dawes. You have a great you have a great senior leader in Amir Sims. You get the PJ Hall kid. You get Omax Prosper, who's getting rave reviews by all these uh, draft experts, especially Jonathan Cavoni, who's comparing him uh, to Nasir Little. So he's one of those guys that nobody really knows about. And their recruiting continues to get better with the new Little John. Uh, Brad doesn't want to go anywhere. He wants to be here for the duration of his career. And 
the trajectory in which Clemson basketball has continued to display the upward trajectory, it only makes sense to hang on to him because the guy can coach his butt off and he's really starting to get really good players uh, to get in the Tiger uniform. Very look, man. You're getting me very excited. I, I feel no the way. same. Ex- I feel the same exact way. But uh, but good to hear you say it, and uh, and good perspective from there. Starting to wrap up with uh, Terrence Oglesby. You can get his uh, thoughts and comments on the regular over on TigerNet.com and his uh, Let It Fly podcast is a much listen if you haven't been checking that out already. Hey, um, so uh, in 30 seconds, make sense of the ACC for me this year. I, I mean, it might take you 30 minutes, right? It seems like you've got maybe a couple of really good teams at the top. I'm not convinced that any of these teams are great. And then a bunch of average teams in the middle. I'm really looking forward to the ACC tournament in a couple of weeks because I really have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. Well, kind of to reference what Coach Coach Brunel was talking the other day, like the bottom's better. There are no more catfish in this league. When And for people who don't understand what I'm talking about, catfish hang on the bottom of the lake. So I call them catfish (laughs) when they're towards the bottom of the ACC. So there's not that many catfish anymore. Georgia Tech is been a perennial catfish is 500 in league. North Carolina, who's still talented, and I've gone off on Roy because he's got McDonald's All-Americans, all these top 75 players who talk about they're not gifted. They're dead last in conference. And then you have Wake Forest, who, to be honest with you, their talent, it's the craziest ACC season I've ever seen. And I hate it for the conference because if the, if the conference has a better non-conference schedule for everybody, and the ACC kind of did it to themselves by going to this 20-game conference schedule. But if they have a better non-conference, you're looking at 10 teams in like the Big Ten as opposed to four and five teams. Yeah. So it's one of those things like who knows what's going to happen. Like I try to I, I try to pick the games on my I try to do all this stuff. And then who <laughs> goes to Wake Forest and gets beat, and gets, uh, beat by 10. So is there any rhyme or reason? No. And if anybody tells you they know exactly what's going to go, what's what's going to go, what's going to happen, you can tell them to go dig a hole because I don't know anything that's about to happen. Who's winning? Who's losing? I just know that the level of competition has been hard, and the talent is there in the ACC to where anybody can beat any other any other team on any given night. So it's been exciting for sure. Hey, if you had to pick one team from the ACC that you feel like could make a run to the Final Four or even further, who would you pick? Florida State. Florida. Ah, without even hesitation. Okay. Florida. Now with with no hesitation, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Clemson's got their hands full coming in on Saturday, and it's not necessarily because they're not capable of getting a win. It's simply because they're they have 12 guys that average more than nine minutes a game. So you're sitting here, and every one of her talented top 75, top 80 kids, and Leonard Hamilton, he's got a certain type of player, and they look like the same exact team that I was playing against. You get long, big athletic wings, and you get massive five men as rim protectors, and they're out there, and you have to make plays on your own. And when you're having to make plays on your own for 40 minutes and they can just keep shuffling guys in to where they're pressuring you full court the entire time, that's exhausting. So you saw kind of the wear-down effect against Louisville. Louisville gets up. They get about 10 points. As the half goes on, or they kind of gradually catches up. And then you get towards the middle of the second half, and then guys' legs just go. And Florida State's still subbing in 12 players. And they just, their energy level this year has been off the charts. And the reason I'm saying I'm taking them is because when you're playing two games in a weekend, and when you're playing 
uh, in your Elite Eight game, and games are starting to, to stack on top of each other, and you have 12 players, you're basically fresh. And they also, and one last thing, and I, I, I can get long-winded, Mark, and I apologize. But no, I'm loving this. Keep going. Devin Vassell, yeah, Devin Vassell has done a fantastic job. He is, Trent Forrest is the most underrated player in ACC, bar none. And Devin Vassell is a potential lottery pick. So what does that give you? That gives you a point guard who's going to settle you down when you need a basket, and that gives you a go-to guy that you can run a set for to get him an open shot, and he's going to be able to knock it down. And not to mention a former McDonald's All-American and MJ Walker who starts on the other wing opposite of Vassell. Florida State not only could make it to the Final Four, they could win the whole dang thing because they're just going to wear teams down. Love it. You're making me worried about Saturday. But I love it. I still like the feedback. And uh, and good stuff. Hey, All right, Terrence Ogles. Oh, go ahead. Here's the thing with Clemson. They, they, they could show up and get a win on Saturday. It's been that I agree. for the entire ACC, not just Clemson. So, and, and here's the deal. They take care of the ball, and they're able to make some individual plays. Clemson could very well get a win at home on Saturday. And the game's already sold out, so you know the environment is going to be fantastic. Yeah, man, can't wait. I'll uh, be there. I'm guessing you're going to be there as well. So Terrence Oglesby, check out his work on TigerNet.com. Find his Let It Fly podcast. Terrence, I could literally talk to you for like two hours, man. I appreciate you coming on board tonight. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Give me a call back whenever. All right, will do. Mr. T.O., man, let's shoot those deep threes. And uh, we could use a few of those on Saturday against Florida State. Thank you so much for joining me. That was a lot of fun. All right, coming up next segment, we're going to shift the focus back to football. Got all kinds of interesting statistics for you. And I'm bringing on my buddy Seth Stokes from his show, Stoking the Fire. We're going to talk a little SEC football coming up. This is the Mark Childress Show. Have you searched all over for your family's vehicle and can't find it on the lot? With the largest selection of Nissans in the upstate, Granger Nissan of Anderson is sure to have what you need in stock and ready to drive off the lot today. Proudly serving the upstate, Granger Nissan of Anderson is a proud partner of the Clemson Tigers and home with a lifetime powertrain warranty on all new vehicles. Conveniently located at 3510 Clemson Boulevard in Anderson and only 25 miles from Greenville and online at GrangerNissanOfAnderson.com. Some wireless companies want you to spend your tax refund with them. At Sprint, we're doing things differently. We say, keep your refund. You heard that right. Get the Samsung Galaxy S10 for $0 a month when you switch. Yup, $0 a month. Plus, Sprint's offering a 100% total satisfaction guarantee. While I think their network and savings are great, you don't just have to take my word for it. Try it out and see for yourself. So, what are you waiting for? Head to a Sprint store today for a fabulous deal on Samsung Galaxy S10. There's never been a better time to switch and get the Samsung Galaxy S10 for $0 a month. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1 today. Galaxy S10, $0 a month, up to $31.25 a month credit applied within two bills. Requires 18-month lease, new line of service, and approved credit. If you cancel early, remaining balance due. Excludes tax, coverage, and offer not available everywhere. $30 activation fee and restriction apply. Guarantee applies to new lines of service for 30 days. My Garage has been servicing the Clemson area for years with professionalism and care. See us for all makes and models, from BMW, Mercedes-Benz, Audi, Volvo, to domestic and Asian. We provide a great customer service and treat our customers like family. Best Darn Garage in Clemson. 
You and your family's safety is our main concern, so we keep your vehicle safe for the roads. Please stop by and see what My Garage is all about on 551 Old Greenville Highway or call 864-633-8500. At Aaron's, we believe in the magic of wintertime more. That magic that comes from good people out there, always helping others, working hard and providing for those they love, no matter what. So why are there so many stores unwilling to work with some good people? Just because your credit isn't the best doesn't mean your TV or refrigerator can't be. That's why at Aaron's, we work with you. So you can get flexible lease-to-own plans that fit your budget. Because good people always deserve better. Errands. Easy, beautiful, affordable. If you need service and maintenance on your home's heating and air conditioning, or you need a new unit, I recommend the independent American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer at Upstate Service Solutions. They take care of us here at the radio station and also at my home. Their consistent five-star ratings are proof that they'll do the same for you as well. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning and Upstate Service Solutions. Call 423-3606. 423-3606. At Twin Peaks, we believe nothing pairs better with our made-from-scratch menu than an ice-cold 29-degree draft served by the best-in-class Twin Peaks girls. Pair a signature Twin Peaks brew in a man-sized mug with the Carolina Pulled Pork Sandwich for our version of a dream team. Or give the sweet and smoky ribs a shot. Whatever you choose, you're in for a meal worth cheering for. Twin Peaks. Eats. Drinks. Scenic views. We're already one month into 2020. And if you're ready to tackle your fitness goals, the YMCA of Easley, Pickens, and Powdersville is running their Pay the Date special all month long. If you join on February the 10th, you pay just $10. If you wait and join on the 22nd, you'll pay $22. Enjoy custom fitness plans, beast mode group training, swimming, and more. There's even child watch for the kids. The YMCA is so much more than a gym. It's a community of people who care. Learn more online at pcymca.net. And now, back to the Mark Childress Show on WCCP 105.5 The Roar. Welcome back in to the Mark Childress Show. Been having a blast tonight. I am here every Wednesday night from 7 until 9. If you're listening in your car, on the app, in an internet browser, wander on over to the Roar's Facebook page. I do this show and simulcast it live out of the Pronk Studios in Greenville, South Carolina. So you can participate with the show on the video side. Hang out with me in the Facebook comments or you're welcome to listen to me on the radio side as well. However you are consuming the show, I appreciate you. We had a great first hour with Morgan Thomas talking a lot of uh, spring practice today, spring football practice underway for the Tigers. We've also talked a little bit about the big softball 4-1 to win over a 14th ranked Georgia Bulldog team earlier this evening. So a fantastic win for Clemson softball. And then uh, that last segment with Terrence Oglesby going deep on Clemson basketball, getting me fired up for the ball game against Florida State this weekend. He thinks Florida State is far and away the best team in the ACC. And uh, again, ACC chaos. Who would have thought going into last night that Georgia Tech would take down Clemson? 
Wake Forest, which was dead in that ball game, if you watch the end of it, some of us were stuck having to watch it while we were waiting uh, to get to the uh, the Clemson game. But uh, Duke really gave that ball game away at the end of regulation. It went to overtime, to second overtime. Wake Forest beating Duke, and then uh, Alex Wisnitz, uh, producer, and I were joking during the break: death taxes and UNC basketball beating the Wolfpack. I think I saw. I might be a little bit off with this, Alex, but I think I saw 50-9 and nine all-time Roy Williams against the Wolfpack, and I was actually surprised it was that close. They always beat NC State. NC State can never find a way to get over the hump there. All right, hey, let's go to the Northland Communication phone lines, bring in a buddy of mine. He's got a fantastic new show called Stoking the Fire. You can go and follow him on Facebook. You can listen to that podcast anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Mr. Seth Stokes. Seth, man, what's going on? Oh, not too much. Mark, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, so, uh, Seth, I love your show, man. Uh, you kind of talk pop culture. Uh, you've got a different beer that you try every week uh, live on the air and talk about what you like about it and what you don't like about it. But mainly you like to go deep on uh, SEC football. So I saw the Georgia Bulldogs had another offseason arrest today. I know you're a big Tennessee Vols fan, so I'm going to assume that you like piling on these Georgia arrests every offseason as well. Well, I, I think uh, Steve Spurrier said it best when he was in South Carolina when their uh, game against Georgia got moved to later in the season. He was very disappointed because Georgia always had a couple players suspended at the beginning of the year. Uh, <laughs> like and, uh, you know, that, that's always kind of rung true with me. It's, 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 it's the tell is all the time. You know, he's going to have guys get in trouble in the off season, and this time is no different. I just want to know. Uh, where the uproar from the fans are like there were when Tennessee Bryce Thompson got in trouble for um, what was allegedly a, a domestic uh, assault incident that ended up not really it being uh, much to do about nothing. UGA fans were up in arms saying that he should be kicked off the team. He was no good, so on and so forth. So where's all that uproar now? Yeah, and if you haven't heard, uh, Devontae Wyatt charges of criminal trespassing and property damage with a family violence designation thrown in. I believe that's at least the third offseason arrest I can remember for the Georgia Bulldogs. So something uh, very interesting to keep track of. So, all right, we know you like the Vols. Georgia Bulldogs had a fantastic season last year and, again, arguably the number one recruiting class in the country. Florida's kind of on the come up. Talk to me about the SEC East. If you had to pick them one, two, three in the SEC East this year, how do you think that's going to stack up? Uh, right now, I think you've got to look at Georgia as the, as the favorite right now with Florida being, I, I don't know if I call them a close second, but I think Florida's there at number two and then Tennessee there at number three, and the rest of it would have to work itself out after that. Um, Georgia number one simply because, like you said, uh, again, the number one recruiting class in the country. Kirby Smart's had him up in the top of the country in recruiting since he's gotten there, and it mm-hmm. wasn't like Mark Richardson's either. They, they recruit well in Georgia. Their problem is they haven't been able to take it to the next level once those guys get on campus. Um, and this is going to be a telltale year for Kirby because – he has recruited well, yes, but they are losing a ton off of last year's squad, including their quarterback, Jake Fromm. How does he replace the guys that are gone? Uh, is there going to be a crop of receivers that are going to step in and do some things? That was a big problem this past year with the offense. One, it was uh, uninspired play calling, as well as not really having any good receivers. Um, with Florida, Travis back. I think he was a very solid quarterback for the Gators. Better than solid in a lot of instances. They're always going to have a nasty defense. And Dan Mullen is one of the best offensive play callers in the country. Um, he finds ways to, to make guys 
uh, succeed. Um, and I, Florida's going to have talent. Um, that's a situation, though, can they put it together consistently week in and week out? They were really good last year, and quietly so. Um, they had a really good record, but people, game in and game out, didn't really give them a chance in a lot of these games. They just went out there yep. and kept winning until they, you know, ran into LSU, and then they, but they pushed LSU to the brink, and then they ran into Georgia, and, and Georgia kind of had their way with them. Um, but then you have Tennessee, who is returning Jerry Garantano as quarterback. They had a really good recruiting class, um, but they're losing the Juwan Jennings on offense. They're losing a Mark West Callaway on offense. Uh, the bulk of their offensive lines is back, along with Cade May, uh, from, you know, transfer from UGA, and most of their defense is back. So they're losing some serious offensive production, but they've got a lot of guys coming back. So we'll see kind of how those three stack, uh, stack up. But as of right now, it looks like Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee until it gets proven otherwise in the field. Well, you said at the beginning, and again, we're hanging out with Seth Stokes from Stoke in the Fire. Go on Facebook, follow his uh, Stoke in the Fire show, or uh, go and uh, give him a subscribe anywhere that you consume your podcast today. Again, Stoke in the Fire with Seth Stokes. You said at the very beginning that you didn't feel like it was super close between Georgia and Florida. So when I look at Georgia, you're losing your quarterback, you're losing your running back, both of those guys, very elite players. I know they got Jamie Newman coming in. I know there's always 19 running backs in the stables of Georgia, but it doesn't bother you. You don't think that Florida closes the gap more than that. You think it's Georgia and everybody else again? Uh, I do, just just because there has been such a gap in recruiting the past few years, um, and Florida still has a little ways to go. I mean, heck, before last season, Florida was missing a good portion of their roster because they transferred and got kicked off the team. Um, yep. So Florida still kind of... <laughs> having to, to gather that talent there in Gainesville. And then Demo is a good recruiter, and I think they will do that because the Florida program does sell itself. Um, but I think there is still a, a good bit of a gap there. All right, so uh, let's go over and take a peek at the SEC West. Of course, uh, I, you know, I don't. I say lightning in a bottle, and I do not mean that in a derogatory way about LSU last season. But man, you talk about everything going right at the same time, getting the right quarterback, the right coaching staff, the right veterans on the team. LSU just uh, one of the best seasons in college football history last year. Alabama down a little bit last year. Auburn's made some coaching changes. Rank them one, two, three for me in the SEC West for next year. I think right now, I mean, it, it's going to be, um, you're looking at Alabama at one, you're looking at probably LSU at two, and, and Auburn at three right now. Um, yes, LSU's losing a bunch, and they lost, you know, coordinator. You get to bring in Bo Pelini, who's uh, a defensive genius. Um, and it's amazing what, what LSU's offense is able to do with Joe Burrow in a tiny, tiny hand. Um, that's that's been a huge thing coming out of the draft that just baffled me, and I know people have to talk about the small hands. But it, and Alabama's going to be the favorite, um, but just for the simple fact that they, they've got quarterbacks on the roster that you know, one is in Mac Jones, who's had a good portion of playing time under his belt. He's got uh, two of his little brother there, um, and Saban just has talent, and he's a great coach, and he rotates coaches in and out of that place, and it's Saves the same, essentially. Um, and then you look at LSU. I still think they're number two. I think there's a ton of talent there. Um, I think Orgeron did a great job last year. But this will be a, an interesting year for Kojo, as in how do they look replacing mm-hmm. all that? I think you're right by saying they caught some lightning in the bottle. But I still think 
that they are a bit better than the rest of, of the West. Auburn not far behind them, um, which is, a, is a, another example of, of uh, not good, excuse me, Malzahn, another example of a really good coach. Uh, they always have talent. That defensive front still going to be nasty. Um, I'm really, you know, those are the top three in the West. Um, A&M is interesting to me with Jimbo. Um, I think they're going to make yeah. a little more noise than they did this past year. But And then, of course, you've got uh, everything else with Kiffin at Ole Miss, Leach at Mississippi State. Kiffin's probably set up a little bit better than Leach at this point, in my opinion. And then Pittman, you got his work cut out for in the Arkansas. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, uh, and again, we're hanging out with Seth Stokes from his Stoke in the Fire podcast and show. Um, Mike Leach joined uh, the Roar earlier today uh, on Road Rage with uh, Walt Deptula. Second hour, if you want to go back and listen to the podcast. So we had Mike Leach hanging out with Walt Deptula earlier today. I was going to ask you, you know, Leach and Kiffin, if nothing else, when SEC media days, if they could possibly get any bigger. I think we're uh, interested in seeing those guys go toe-to-toe with stories and uh, anecdotes and things like that. You kind of answered it for me. You think uh, you think Kiffin might be set up a little bit better than Leach? I do. I think culturally Kiffin's a better fit for Ole Miss than Mike Leach is in, in mm-hmm. Um yep. I'm not saying that, that Mike Leach is, is going to not have success in Starkville, but I just he's an offensive guru, but he has to have a certain type of player in there to make it work. And yep. his defenses have never been good. Uh, they just haven't. And Kiffin's going to give you more of a well-rounded approach on both sides of the football. And it's going to make for some... Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think it's going to be entertaining, to uh, say the least. As always, we'll be talking a lot... Uh about the uh, SEC. So um, we talked about you kind of stack rank the top three. So that would have Georgia taking on Alabama in the SEC championship game. So I'm going to assume you've got Alabama winning the SEC next year and headed to the playoffs. Is uh, is that kind of the fair assumption there? Yeah, I'm, I, think, I think that's the, the safe assumption until someone can consistently knock them off. Yeah, I agree with you. And then uh, I'm guessing looking around college football a little bit, do you feel like it's going to be usual suspects next year if you get Alabama back in it? I feel like Clemson will be odds-on favorite out of the ACC this year. They've got that one tough matchup against Notre Dame. But uh, Clemson coming off their best recruiting class ever as well. So they're just reloading and restocking. Ohio State looks like uh, with Justin Fields, they're going to be great again. Uh, Besides those three teams, uh, what's uh, another team or two that you would be keeping your eye on to kind of fill that four spot in the playoffs next year? I think that's just uh, anybody's game right now, honestly. Um, you know, I think a lot of eyes are going to continue to be on Oklahoma until they prove mm-hmm. that they're not playoff contenders. And, you know, they've got some talented quarterback coming in again um, that were there, you know, this year. They just didn't get a lot of action because you had a hurt fist swinging the rock for them. And so I think, honestly, I think Oklahoma is probably out of everybody else they're going to be the, the odds-on favorite for a, a spot at the playoffs, at least to start the year. And then, it'll, of course, it'll shake itself out as the year goes. Yeah, they uh, have such success with uh, quarterbacks out there. Spencer Rattler will be uh, their guy evidently this year, and that should be some good stuff. All right, so, uh, Seth, what is the Seth, what is the best way for people to find your show, watch your show? I know you're putting it out every two weeks. Why don't you fill everybody in on the best way that they can find you? All right, just go Excuse me. Go to Facebook.com and search Stoking the Fire. Um, you can catch the stream there. You can also follow me on Twitter at Seth Stokes, uh, W-O-R-D. Um, those are the two best places to kind of get me right now. Spotify, 
uh, still can find on Spotify, Apple Pod, everywhere else that uh, you consume your fine podcast. Good stuff. All right, Seth. So when I was in high school in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I went to a Tennessee-Notre Dame and Tennessee-Alabama game up in Knoxville. Uh, what's uh, your most memorable game uh, up there in Neyland Stadium that you've attended? Oh, goodness, that's tough. Uh, probably just in, in general, from both a fan standpoint and someone who has covered the team for several years, probably that 2015 uh, Tennessee Oklahoma game. That place was the loudest I have personally ever heard it. Um, it was deafening um, in that place that night. And then, of course, uh, that same, I want to say it was 20, uh, 2016, when Tennessee finally got over the hump against Florida um, inside England Stadium. That was uh, pretty memorable as well. Interesting, because uh, Oklahoma came back and won that game late against Tennessee that first time. So you picked a loss, oddly enough. But uh, yeah. what a great ball game! I remember that one. It's the, it's the atmosphere. Yes, it was a loss, mm-hmm. but um, it was loud from before kickoff until the, the final whistle blew. Because you know that game goes into overtime, and, and uh, Oklahoma does get the win. But man, the fan base was just rocking that night. There probably wasn't a better atmosphere in college football that entire. Yeah, I talk, uh, people ask me what's the loudest I've ever heard Death Valley, and it's uh, Clemson-Miami from like 12 years ago, where Clemson came all the way back and uh, and ended up losing that ball game in overtime. So it was a loss as well, but that was the loudest I've ever heard Death Valley, and that's saying something, just like it is at Neyland Stadium, because there have been so many uh, memorable moments there. Seth Stokes from Stoke in the Fire. Mr. SEC, my man, thanks for jumping on with me tonight. Oh, not a problem. Thanks for having me, Mark. All right, buddy. We'll uh, we'll talk some more soon, Seth. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us, Mr. Seth Stokes. Go find his Stoke in the Fire podcast. Promise you, it's going to be uh, very enjoyable. You can tell he knows his SEC football. Also, a big pop culture guy as well. Kind of comes at things from a different perspective, and I really like that. All right, one final segment coming up. A few more thoughts on the Clemson spring football practice starting today, and some NFL talk that I think you'll like. This is the Mark Childress Show. Make a living walking in the woods, but you can at least get there in confidence on a set of Toyo Open Country MTs installed by the Pendleton Tire Company. Wrap those Toyos around a set of Fuel, Moto, Metal, or XD wheels. How about a lift from Rough Country, Fabtech, or McGoy's? Finish off that look with a set of NFAB step bars, and don't forget the WeatherTech floor liners. Call Joey or Zach today at 646-3694, or check us out at PendletonTire.com. Here's your chance to own a brand new F-150 from George Coleman Ford at incredible savings with approved credit. 0% financing is available on all remaining in-stock 2019 F-150s. You heard it right. With approved credit, you could be in a brand new 2019 George Coleman Ford F-150 with 0% financing. Never any hidden fees or added charges. That, my friends, is how George Coleman Ford does business. Not applicable with other rebates. Offer good through 3 2020 Crude LED display signs and virtual scoreboards offer peak performance with programmable, 
full-color, vivid LED screens at an affordable price with multiple sizes available and carrying a five-year warranty. Crude LED displays allow you to create your own custom message that is certain to resonate with your audience. Your business, church, or school can afford a multifunctional LED display sign. Let Crude LED show you how. K-R-U-T-LED.com or call 401-8156. Relax and stress less in 2020 when you consolidate your debt to one easy payment with a personal loan from Founders Federal Credit Union. With low rates and great savings, you'll wonder why you didn't do it sooner. Founders can even help you consolidate your high interest store cards or credit cards into one payment so you don't have to juggle those bills each month. Apply for a Founders personal loan today. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com to see if you qualify for membership. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. You've heard talk about Harbin Lumber's strong customer service and elite customer support. They know that time is make or break for you contractors and handymen. Harbin Lumber will walk you through the project from start to finish, providing your order in full and on time. Harbin Lumber will partner with you and find solutions that will not create costly issues and problems later. Call today at 353-5053. That's 353-5053. Harbin Lumber Company. All they need is an opportunity. They will earn the rest. You know Joe's New York Pizza is all about the sauce because I've told you so. Here's the thing, people. They have outrageous wings as well. They're not fried, and if you're up to the task, you can even get them with Cajun Asian sauce. Their meatballs and marinara come with their famous garlic knots. And remember, if you have certain food allergies, Joe's offers gluten-free. Joe's has delivery, and they're great for fundraisers. And the Clemson location caters with two locations in Seneca and Clemson. Joe's New York Pizza. We're already one month into 2020, and if you're ready to tackle your fitness goals, the YMCA of Easley, Pickens, and Powdersville is running their Pay the Date special all month long. If you join on February the 10th, you pay just $10. If you wait and join on the 22nd, you'll pay $22. Enjoy custom fitness plans, beast mode group training, swimming, and more. There's even child watch for the kids. The YMCA is so much more than a gym. It's a community of people who care. Learn more online at pcymca.net. Blue Heron Restaurant is now open at 134 Exchange Street in beautiful, historic downtown Pendleton. Featuring an upscale seating area and bar seating to catch all the big games. With daily menu specials and happy hour to fit every craving, the Blue Heron in Pendleton offers only the best selection of meats, sushi, sides, farm-to-table flatbread, drinks, and desserts. 134 Exchange Street, downtown Pendleton. Visit blueheronfood.com for full menu and more information. That's blueheronfood.com. We'll see you soon. And now, back to the Mark Childress Show on WCCP 105.5 The Roar. In final segment of the Mark Childress Show every Wednesday night from 7 to 9. If you're listening in your car on the app and an internet browser, wander on over to the Roar's Facebook page. Hang out with us on the video side. I broadcast the show, simulcast it from the Prompt Studios in Greenville, South Carolina. You're welcome to join me on Facebook. Jumping in the Facebook comments is a great way to get my attention. And thank you for hanging out with me, man. It's been a fun show this evening. If you want to go back and catch the podcast, we talked Clemson Spring Football and Morgan's 
Thomas in the first hour, former Clemson basketball legend Terrence Oglesby hanging out with us uh, in the first part of this hour, and my good buddy Seth Stokes talking SEC football in the last segment as well. Uh, Facts and Shoulders producing here for me on the video side, back in Mission Control, and mastering all the audio here is uh, Mr. Alex Wisnant. So, uh, Alex, you said uh, Dabo had a good quote coming out uh, from his uh, from his press conference today, or at least his talk after spring practice. Yes, he had a quote that I'm going to come right out and say I think will be the next BYOG, bring your own guts. Uh, this is coming from Matt Connolly, who writes for the state newspaper, newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina. So, Dabo was asked about Amari Rogers uh, no longer wearing a brace on the knee that he tore, you know, on which he tore his ACL last March, and Dabo referred to it as all gas, no brace. So I would like to see it on a T-shirt uh, immediately, if not sooner. Give it to me. Love it. All gas, no brace. Uh, that's what we need from Amari Rogers in the upcoming season. I did see uh, Dabo gave some updates. We talked about this in hour number one. Uh, safety Nolan Turner had shoulder surgery during the offseason. He'll be back for skills and drills this summer. He had a sling on during practice. I did see him when I was uh, over there earlier today. Uh, Sweeney also said Andrew Booth is doing better after a knee scope a few weeks ago. Brian Brissy has a knee sprain but is looking fine. Evidently, he might have sprained that knee playing basketball ball earlier on. So uh, not quite at full strength for the Clemson Tigers today, but it's good to have them back at it. I believe April 4th is the spring game. It's uh, right there at the beginning of April on that Saturday. Really excited about that. It'll be here before you know it. And then uh, Clemson will be kicking it off in the fall uh, before we can even turn around. I did reference this earlier as well. Uh, The XFL continuing to see Ratings drop, and I don't think it's that big of a surprise. But uh, from week one to week two, it was a 34% ratings drop, down another 23% this past week. So overall, a 52% drop from week one. They're down to 1.61 million viewers across ABC, Fox, ESPN, and uh, FS1 from a couple of weeks and weeks ago. So um, where's your head at on the XFL, Alex? So my take is kind of, you know, I don't think this is a feeder league for the NFL. Even with the lower ratings, you're seeing the XFL beating some NBA games and beating the golf sometimes and things like that. I mean, it is beating other things that we're used to seeing on our televisions all the time. And I feel like in the stadiums that it's still a really great atmosphere. They seem to be selling a lot of tickets and the crowds really seem to be in it. So I don't feel like the XFL is a failure at this point. A lot of people are trying to bury it already. I think it can still find its place. What do you think? Yeah, I think the exact same thing. I, I think similar to the first iteration of the XFL, the first week of ratings was, was obviously a, a pretty pretty good success, and then it just gradually dropped as the XFL has had to compete with more, with, you know, with more sports, as I mentioned earlier. But what the XFL has done this time, and I think is really smart, is they've really emphasized the gambling aspect of it, right? They have the over-under yep. on the score graphic. They have the line on the score graphic. And I really think if they continue to emphasize that, people love... People love sports betting, first of all, but they really love betting on football. So really, if you're giving more people more of an opportunity to bet on a sport that they just love betting on, I, I think this XFL could be viable purely from that aspect, even if the football is not at the same at the same quality um, that we, we come to expect you know, from the NFL. I think it'll be interesting to see really in the next, however long, maybe you know, next season, if we see some of these players that are performing well on the XFL teams, uh, the quarterback... Uh, PJ's his first time. I'm trying to remember his last name uh, for Houston comes to mind. 
as one of the, just one of the standout guys in this league. I, I'm curious to see if, if NFL teams take a serious look at any of the any of the players from this league. It's like, oh, maybe we'll give them a shot on a you know on some on some training camps or mini camps, yep. or a practice squad or whatever else. So I think that could also drive interest because you know that there's a chance for these players also goes to the to the next level, so to speak. So I, I I think it's really premature to say that the XFL is dead at this point. But I, yeah, the, the ratings have to be concerning to the to the powers that be. All right, so uh, I was talking with uh, Richmond Weaver, who's normally here with me on uh, Wednesday nights uh, earlier this week. And I'm like, hey, man, I I got this hot take. I'm not a big hot take guy, right? There are people in this market that uh, live and die by hot takes. I'm not really the most uh, hot take and opinionated guy, but I'm like, hey, what about my Washington Redskins, right? The NFL draft uh, less than two months away at this point. Of course, the combine's going on right now. A number of Clemson players were all uh, interested in watching show out. I'm like, you know, Richmond, I'm going to, I'm going to, Float a scenario to you, okay? I'm not a big fan of Dwayne Haskins, who the Redskins got this past season as a quarterback. He played in uh, some of the late games this season. I just don't feel like he's the right guy long-term for the Redskins. Right now, Redskins picking number two in the NFL draft. And everybody's saying, you know, know, you're going to get the Ohio State defensive lineman. He's coming your way. And, uh, you know, there's nothing to think about. I'm like, Richmond, here's what my my head's at. Why don't the Redskins take Tua? At number two, even if he can't play this season, you've got Haskins, you bring Tua in. If Tua is healthy and what you think he could be, he could possibly be the steal of the draft at number two. And you could probably get some assets for Dwayne Haskins later. Doesn't Tua bring you more over a three to five year period than even the best defensive lineman in football? Redskins have a pretty good defensive line. They don't really need They don't really need Chase Young. They don't really need him. I mean, he would be great to have, could be a generational talent, but I'd still rather have a great quarterback than a great defensive lineman. And then sure enough, Ron Rivera, new Redskins head coach, I am excited about that, comes out today and says, hey, they're going to host Tua. They're going to host Joe Burrow. And they've heard good things about Haskins, and he seems like it's good. Rivera saying today, everything is an option. We're not closing the door on anything. Am I on to something here, Alex Wisnett? I think you're on to something. I don't agree with you. I'm of the opinion that <laughs> you acquire as much blue chip talent as you can. Actually, Brad Sink of, of the Press Box and I were discussing this a similar topic a couple weeks ago. We were looking at a mock draft that had the Redskins trading with the Dolphins so that the Dolphins could trade up yeah. number two to draft Tua. And then, assuming the Redskins would you know, drop down to five, and then probably get some, some future draft picks. Um, in that scenario, the Redskins would still get Jeff Okuda, which is totally fine in my book. But assuming they say it too, I don't know what I don't know what the Redskins have in Dwayne Haskins. No one knows. He wasn't really all that healthy this year, and he didn't get a ton of uh-huh. a ton of snaps, just for whatever reason, because well, the Redskins are the Redskins. So I I, I, I just I think it's really early to declare that Dwayne Haskins isn't the guy. I I don't know. I I'd like to go with the sure thing and chase on because Tua, all his MRIs look good. He looks looks uh-huh. like he's pretty good health wise. You know he's gonna. Yep. He's probably going to throw it, throw in March and work out, but you still don't know. And there's still a little, if there's even a twinge of doubt there, I'd stay at two. I take Chase Young and I would just pile up as much talent on that defensive line where I think games were really run, won and lost in those trenches, especially in the NFL, and, 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 try to, and try to go at it again. 
I respectfully disagree, right? I mean, I think Dwayne Haskins can be an NFL quarterback. I think he could be a pretty good NFL quarterback. Is he going to be a great quarterback? I don't feel like he will be. If Tua would not have been hurt this year, I think a lot of people would be arguing that Tua would be the number one draft pick even over Joe Burrow in the season he had this past year, right? I mean, Tua could be a generational talent in the NFL, and I don't think Dwayne Haskins is ever going to check that box. I'd love to see my Redskins roll the dice. Wouldn't hurt my feelings at all if they grabbed Tua. I know uh, Walt Deptula, who comes on before me, is like, no team should take uh, Tua. His injury could be horrible. It could be a uh, program-defining, you know, pain uh, going forward if you use a top five draft pick and pick a quarterback who conceivably could never play in the NFL if uh, if the injury doesn't heal right. So I don't know. I just got a little bit excited about it and I thought it was funny that I was planning on coming in and uh, and talking about this today. And then uh, Ron Rivera, you know, the coach is out there. Uh, my son uh, Faxon did make a good point, right? Might just be smokescreen, right? Hey, I want to make the Lions nervous. I want to make the Dolphins nervous. I want to make any of these teams that feel like that they're going to jump in at number three or number four in a trade up in the draft and get the quarterback that they want is going to be there. You know, if the Redskins want to get somebody to trade with them, that's an easy way to do it, to be like, hey, man, we might take two at number two. You know, he said eh, possibly all of a smokescreen and uh, you're just getting guys to try and bite off and, uh, and make a decision that's a bad one potentially. Or maybe you got to overpay for him because now you think that the Redskins might want him. Uh, either way, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't crush me in either direction. Uh, trade down to five with the Lions and uh, maybe take Isaiah Simmons, who I think is going to blow up the combine this week. I think that's going to be really uh, interesting to watch as well. Hey, I had a couple of uh, quick NFL trivia questions for you. Okay. All right. Most sacked quarterback in the NFL since the beginning of 2017 is who? Since the beginning of 2017. The last three seasons, quarterbacks sacked the most in the NFL. I'm going to take a guess and say Mitch Trubisky. It is not Mitch Trubisky. He's not even in the top ten. Wow. That's shocking. I'll give you one more guess and then I'll tell you. Mm. Most sacked quarterback in the last three seasons in the NFL. Trying to rack my brain. Because I know Eli was up there for a while, but of course he didn't play a lot in last season. I'm honest. I'm honestly not sure. I'm curious. What Deshaun Watson is number two. Okay. You know he's struggled. He's been right, sacked 125 course. times. Of course. Russell Wilson has been sacked 142 times. Ah, yes. In the last three seasons of the NFL. Okay. Most passing touchdowns in the last three seasons in the NFL. Oh, Who say you? Last three seasons. This, this whole range of of, of, of years is, is throwing me a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna go. Man. Dare I go Drew Brees? I'm going to go Drew Brees. You can go Drew Brees. Now, you destroyed my trivia last time I gave it to you. You're not destroying it today. Drew Brees comes in at number five. Tom Brady comes in at number two. I thought you'd say Tom Brady with 85 touchdowns. The most touchdowns in the NFL by a wide margin in the last three seasons. Also, Russell Wilson has thrown 100 touchdowns in the NFL. Okay, an easy one for you. We're going to end on an easy one. Most interceptions thrown in the last three seasons in the NFL. Oh, man. Is this a trick question? I feel like it's a trick question. It's not a trick question. Oh, man. Dang it. You know what? Go ahead and tell me because I'm going to get mad. 
I mean, I'm not guessing me wrong. Go, go ahead and tell me. Jameis Winston oh, with Jameis 55 interceptions, right. uh, followed by Phillip Rivers at 42, and then uh, drop off from there. Baker Mayfield uh, coming in there with 35. So, all right, man, I'll bring you trivia, you know, next show that we've got uh, coming together for you. All right. And, uh, and we'll go from there. All right, folks, about time to get out of here. Just a programming note. Baseball, each of the next two Wednesdays, we'll keep the Mark Childress show off the air. We'll return on Wednesday, March the 18th. Cannot wait until then. That'll be right before the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Thanks to Terrence Oglesby, Seth Stokes, Morgan Thomas, Mr. Alex Wisden on the production side, Fax and Childress on the production side. This has been the Mark Childress Show. See ya. Broadcasting live from the Priority One Security Studios, WCCP 105.5, Clemson, Greenville, and